Hello and thank you for checking out this episode of Season 2 of the From the Frontline podcast. Each episode we'll be interviewing a key voice from the NHS or social care to discuss some of the key challenges and changes that impact the treatment and care we all receive. Throughout this podcast series we'll be answering some of the big questions which face health and social care today, such as why are there massive delays in A&E, how do we beat the NHS winter crisis, and how can we make the future of digital health accessible for all. We hope that you'll finish each episode knowing a little bit more about the major NHS headlines and what needs to change if we are to deliver the best possible care for everyone in the UK. The From the Frontline podcast is brought to you by PLMR Healthcoms, who are part of the PLMR group. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the From the Frontline podcast. We're delighted to be joined today by Rani Thacker, the president of the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists. Rani, thank you ever so much for joining us today. We are delighted to have the opportunity to sit down with you to discuss the government's recent announcement of the rollout of the Women's Health Hubs. For some background for those who might not be aware, last year the government published the first ever Women's Health Strategy. The landmark publication saw a number of recommendations which aims to improve outcomes for women and reduce ongoing health inequalities. Part of the government's ambition within the strategy is the rollout of the Women's Health Hubs across the country. These hubs will offer a range of services for women, including contraception, menstrual health and menopause. The government also recently announced that they would be allocating £25 million in funding to support the development of these hubs. Rani, just initially, it'd be great to get your thoughts on the creation of these hubs and how you think they might be able to improve women's health care in England. So, so just to provide a bit of historical perspective, the idea of these hubs actually came from the RCOG Better for Women report, which was published in 2019. And the vision was to bring together women's health services uh, to make healthcare more accessible, but more importantly, also more equitable. Um, as you just mentioned, the government has committed to the expansion of the hubs in the women's health strategy, which is absolutely fabulous. We are delighted. Um, and more recently also announced funding for this. The purpose really is to bring together women's health services into the community. So services going to women to improve access to healthcare throughout a woman's life, starting from menarche to menopause and beyond. So services in the women's health hubs will provide care. They will also help to prevent disease uh, and also signpost to information on menstrual health, gynecological conditions, sexual health and contraception, preconception health and fertility, pregnancy, pelvic floor health and perimenopause. So say, for example, a woman has urinary incontinence, she could actually be assessed in the Women's Health Hub, she could start pelvic floor muscle exercises, she probably get better, and if not, then she could go to secondary care. So it's really a fantastic opportunity uh, for women to get care in the right place at the right time. So these hubs really need to be designed around the local population needs so that they're tailored to the needs within the community to support the health throughout their lives. But they also need to be shared national aims for the hub model, which are important to support systems to understand and deliver the vision set out in the Women's Health Strategy for England. 
And we are delighted to have worked together with the Royal College of GPs, the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Healthcare, and the British Menopause Society to collectively share our view of how these hubs should be implemented to achieve success in improving women's healthcare. So really, really exciting. Thank you. That's no, that's really interesting. You were talking then about the kind of integration of care. And I was just wondering how you think integrated care systems can then be supported to deliver these hubs and this kind of hub model of care as well. So the hub model uh, represents a fantastic opportunity to improve access, experience and outcomes to women's healthcare and also reduce inequalities. Uh, they will help ensure that women are seen in the right setting by the right healthcare professional and at the right time. But more importantly, it's also a good chance to integrate women's health services across primary, secondary, and sexual and reproductive health. And we know historically that women's health services are fragmented, especially women's sexual and reproductive health care, uh, which has really created huge barriers to accessing contraception. I have confidence that the hub model will actually help tackle this fragmentation of services and improve access to essential services. Uh, currently, if you look around, you'll see that there's a lot of variation in how the services could be included in women's health hubs and how they're delivered. So the hub model actually has a potential of bringing all the services together uh, and uh, and actually provide standardized care, which is equitable uh, nationally. Yeah, that's really interesting. And we know that there's also variation in the rate at which these hubs are being rolled out across the country. So I know, for example, you've got um, Liverpool is quite a bit more advanced than other areas in England. Um, I was just wondering if you think there's a risk that the variation in rollout could then exacerbate any health inequalities, or do you think that actually the hub model could only really benefit women? So we have to be uh, really careful. Uh, you raise a very good point. Is there a risk or is there benefit? So the hub model uh, should be centers for improving access, experience and outcomes for women's health and with a strong emphasis on reducing inequalities. It's really important that local commissioners prioritize listening to and involving the diverse communities who experience the greatest barriers and inequality in experience and health outcomes. So we need to get to those patients um, who are hard to reach and hard to find. Uh, and I, I do think that we all need to work together and go out to the patients and the hubs as such will need to be designed. So when we are measuring success of this, which is absolutely important because I do think that once the hubs are introduced, there needs to be evaluation. And this needs to be measured not only by the number of hubs that develop or are existent, but the services that they deliver. So there needs to be monitoring and evaluation which I think is going to be so important to uh, underpin this service. No, thank you for that. And then uh, we've also had conversations with some leading clinicians in the space, and we were talking about how 
these hubs will be set up in practice. And they raised some concerns about ensuring that a bottom-up approach is used and that um, each hub is tailored to the needs of the local area, like you previously mentioned. We were just wondering how the RCOG will then help these hubs and if you have any measures in place that you'll be implementing um, to ensure that there's a collaborative approach among um, royal colleges and other societies. The success of this depends on working together. So it's not only the primary care, secondary care and sexual and reproductive health services uh, that need to work together, but I think there needs to be a cross-government working, cross-colleges working. So we need to be working with the faculty of sexual and reproductive health. We need to be working with the Royal College of General Practitioners. Um, so the focus needs to be on co-developing and delivering services with a multidisciplinary team approach. Um, and ultimately, that's the only way this is going to work. Uh, we hope to work with colleagues in the Department of Health and Sexual Care uh, to develop a competency framework for clinical leadership and workforce in these hubs. So a lot of joint working is going to be needed, but I think it's a fantastic opportunity. Do you think then that um, there needs to be any extra training for um, multidisciplinary teams and the staff that will be supporting women in these hubs? So. I think one of the biggest issues is going to be in workforce planning. And, and I think we have to be really careful how we approach this. And this will need a system-wide approach, identifying the skills and roles needed to deliver these key services. So there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done around the workforce. Now, we do know that there are a lot of pressures on the workforce and huge difficulty recruitment of specialist roles, which is going to be vital to run this. So we know that women's health physiotherapists, for example, it's really difficult to recruit women's health physiotherapists uh, because there is a huge national uh, shortage of them. So I think, again, we it's all working together, ensuring that, that we have adequate staff uh, who will be able to actually run the hubs. Um, it could also be just redesigning the staff that also exist in primary, secondary care and sexual and reproductive health services. So there's going to be a lot of shifting of services. But in addition to that, there needs to be investment in training of the workforce within these hubs uh, and also a continued investment. Uh, following this to support the women's health strategy. On the kind of workforce itself then and the fact that the hub will be bringing together um, medical professionals from across um, really the health space, do you think there needs to be an understand, uh, maybe a better understanding of the, of the way in which primary and secondary care will be joined up and how that will actually work in practice? Or do you think... Um, there's already an awareness of this and then also that the Department of Health and Social Care are doing enough to support the workforce to actually deliver on this model. There's absolutely no doubt that currently healthcare services, primary and secondary care, are, are fragmented, especially when you focus on women's healthcare. So how do we improve that? I think there needs to be a lot of work. We, I think the, I think there's a 
lot of work that needs to be done with the integrated care systems, looking at commissioning uh, and, and identifying how we shift funding from one service to the other, how we actually educate workforce within primary, secondary care, sexual and reproductive health. Um, so it's going to need a lot of training and development. On, on the training as well, um, just thinking about kind of how we can support the um, trainee doctors who are coming into the profession now, do you think we need to do more to incentivize them at the start of their careers? Um, just if this, if we're thinking the, the long-term planning, um, do you think that starts right when people are getting interested and in doing their degrees and training to become doctors? And that's such an interesting question, isn't it, that you, you raise. Um, I think I think we have to inculcate an interest in women's health, starting from medical schools. You could even argue that we need to start right from when they go to school. And that will involve working with the Department of Education, for example. So, so yeah, there's a lot we can do. As far as the college is concerned, we try to um, enthuse our junior doctors to take up obstetrics and gynecology as a specialty. Uh, we have an open day for them to come and see how women's health services work in the RCOG once a year. So it's creating an interest, a buzz in women's health. And I, as I mentioned earlier, that has to start right from school. No, that, thank you. That's really interesting. Just thinking then about the back to the women's health hubs, do you think they are the solution to ensure women receive treatment in the right place at the right time? Do you think it's right that this is something that the Department of Health and Social Care is driving forward? And obviously it was inspired by um, the RCOG's Better Women report. But do you think in practice they will hopefully be successful? Look, I, I think this is a fantastic opportunity. Uh, it, it is a unique opportunity, and I think we should seize it and go along with it. Uh, currently, what we have is not good enough. As I mentioned earlier, it's all fragmented. So we really need to look at how we best utilize what we have been given. And I personally am really, really uh, excited. We need a system-wide approach. Um, and a lot of work will need to be done to ensure there's multidisciplinary working, not only at the level of primary care, secondary care, and also the sexual and reproductive health, but also healthcare professionals, different healthcare professionals, GPs, gynecologists, obstetricians, women's health services, menopause specialists, bringing all of them together so that we can provide care to women under one roof. Um, and they get the right treatment before they get referred to secondary care. And I, I think this, this is such a great opportunity. No, thank you. That's really interesting. Just, just kind of like wrapping up our conversation. Um, do you think that the uh, medical staff, the NHS workforce is also brought into the idea? Or do you think um, this is something that GPs will be happy to get involved in and everyone's actually interested in driving forward. So I think there may have been an initial scepticism when people didn't quite realise what it was about. But the conversations that I have with colleagues uh, seem to be quite positive. 
Uh, I know that my colleagues in uh, secondary care also seem to be very, very interested, speaking to general practitioners as well. Everyone recognizes that a change is needed, and I think this is the change uh, that is going to really improve women's healthcare. No, thank you so much. It's been a really interesting conversation. Um, and I know at PLMR Health Comms, we're really looking forward to seeing um, the rollout of women's health hubs and seeing how they can hopefully um, support women who are accessing care in the future. Um, and we're really looking forward to seeing um, the RCOG's role in this. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the From the Front Lines podcast. If you have any thoughts about our conversation or would like to get involved in a future episode, please email fromthefrontline at healthcomsconsulting.co.uk. If you'd like to chat about our work as one of the UK's top health and social care public affairs agencies, please visit our website, healthcomsconsulting.co.uk. Thanks again for listening.